And so this cancel culture where everything you do or say has to go through this perfect little woke lens, um, people are kind of tired of it. And in states where they have a mask mandate right next door in Illinois, they're spiking too. So I don't think, I think people should realize that no one really has an answer, unfortunately, to the pandemic. Jean Evans is the executive director of the Missouri Republican Party, and she shared some surprisingly candid thoughts on why the GOP found such great success on election night on Friday's St. Louis on the Air. And before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org donate. That's stlpr.org donate. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Missouri Democrats took a whooping on Tuesday. They lost the congressional seat that some observers thought was theirs for the taking. They lost their challenge to the governor's seat, the state attorney general's office, and the secretary of state. Those are all offices they held just four years ago, and none of those statewide races was even close. So on Wednesday's show, the morning after, we asked political analysts, as well as our listeners, what went wrong for Missouri Democrats. And we got a lot of thoughtful responses. We also got a suggestion from listener Josh on Twitter. He wrote, better question, what went right for Republican candidates? Now, Josh had a few suggestions, and we'll get to talking about those in a minute. But we realized we ought to go to the source. Uh, Jean Evans is the executive director of the Missouri Republican Party. She left her job as a state representative, repping part of St. Louis County, to take that job. And she joins us today to share her thoughts on why what used to be a purple state is suddenly bright red. So, Jean Evans, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So your party had a really great night Tuesday. Have you been able to celebrate or is the presidential election just too much of a nail biter? Well, we, we've we celebrated. We did our job here uh, for the president and we're very happy with those results. We have offered assistance to the campaign, the Trump campaign, if they need assistance from us. Um, and we will wait and see if we hear anything back from them. But that's out of our hands. Mm -hmm. So we are celebrating. But at the same time, there's actually still a lot of work to do and some other things that are probably boring to your listeners. But um, we did celebrate a little bit on Tuesday. Wednesday was the sleep deprived day to get back to everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, now we're starting to get back into the groove of things just in time for the weekend where hopefully uh, tonight I'm actually going out with a few friends and we are going to celebrate and enjoy um, what was a hard-fought, very hard-fought victory here in Missouri. So I got to ask, and I know it's hard to get straight answers from people who have been politicians, but there were a lot of Democrats who expected to do much better than they did on Tuesday. Were you guys anticipating this kind of blowout, or did you think it was going to be close in, in some of these races? Obviously not in the presidential race. Nobody thought that would be close. But did you think maybe the governor or or this congressional no. seat that, uh, that Ann well, Wagner the- held? I thought the congressional seat would be closer. I thought Canning's race would be closer. Mm-hmm. I predicted uh, double digits for the governor and the president in Missouri. I actually um, have a few bets I need to collect on on that, <laughs> including with both Democrats and Republicans. Well, the reason for that really is... What kind of loot is, are you getting from these bets? Are you coming into money well, now? Well, <laughs> you know, it's usually a drink yeah. or lunch or something. It's it's not, you know, more than anything, it's just gloating. Sure. Uh, but sorry, but, you were saying the reason for that. Uh, what, what do you think the reason for that? 
So I think there's a couple of, of, of things that went into it. I think we have great candidates um, up and down the ballot. If you're talking about the governor's race, the Wagner race, I, I will tell you our strategy as a team here, I'll have to take a step back. So the Missouri Republican Party this year, we knew we weren't a targeted state, state and we mm-hmm. had to raise every money, every bit of money we needed for the race. And that wasn't going to be near what folks were used to in the when we've been a battleground. Mm-hmm. So we had to come up with a strategy that would work for a team of three or four people, which is what we were for most of the year. Wow. And um, it turned out that that strategy worked pretty well for COVID. But it was really focused on certain precincts, particularly in Senate 15, which is Andrew Koenig's district. We knew if Andrew won, Wagner would win. And if that happened, it would drive up our margins across the state. Hmm. So that was our strategy. We had over 2 million voter contacts heavily focused in CD2, to be honest, but across the state. Uh, In 2018, for example, they did a million voter contacts for the Josh Hawley campaign. We did 2 million. So we doubled that effort. And we had people on the ground knocking doors. And the Democrats had no ground game. I don't know if they were making calls. Mm-hmm. But they had zero ground game in St. Louis County, whereas in 2018, Claire McCaskill had a ground game like none other I've ever seen hmm. on the Democrat side. She drove a lot of turnout. They had some close races. They won some races. Um, and it looked like, I mean, so Wagner lost the part of CD2 that's in St. Louis County in 2018, but she won it in 2020. Yeah. And you're, you're saying that's because of the ground game. And in particular, Andrew Koenig, a state senator running against Deb right. Lavender. This was a tough challenge here. I have heard reports, I, I believe our analysts in that morning after show, they said he just knocked on almost every single door in the district. Was this him and his ground game or was this the, the party also knocking doors? Well, we support candidates, so he has to come to the table with, you know, we have volunteers, but he brought his own, and it's not his first campaign, so Mm -hmm. he did it as a state rep, he did it four years ago, and he did it again, and I think that, um, and and to back up from that a little bit, we did make a ton of calls Mm -hmm. into his district, starting back in probably May. uh, Talking to, identifying voters and trying to get the vote out and, and where he could get support. But I think that one of the strengths for him, you know, when you meet Andrew and you talk to him, you find out what kind of, you know, you, you make your own determinations about what kind of person he is. And since he had knocked on so many doors, when the attacks started hitting them, him, mm-hmm. people were not as easily convinced. They're like, that can't be this guy. You know, they understand that politics is dirty. And when you try to at- attack someone who's a known figure, who's, you know, they've met with him, they've seen him. They've seen what he's done. Even if there are certain things maybe they don't like about him, they don't agree with 100%. Mm-hmm. I think that um, his character was evidenced um, by his behavior. And he is he is really actually one of the good guys in politics. The other thing I would say about that is, um, quite honestly, some of the negatives, and this was brought up, uh, I think, in the National Democratic Party in the last couple of days, mm-hmm. is this run to the left Mm-hmm. just doesn't play well in the suburbs. So the defund the police comments, however they want to say that, that did not resonate. And then later in the campaign, you know, Cori Bush saying defund the Pentagon, followed up by a tweet from Deb Lavender. She retweeted a comment, uh, someone else's tweet that said, um, 
comparing World War II veterans to Antifa. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I get the point she was making there, though. She was saying, you know, Antifa, they're anti-fascists. The original anti-fascists were people who fought in World War II, right? They're, they're going there and, and taking on the Nazis. Those were the fascists. But that tweet, I think, you guys, um, you pushed that tweet pretty hard because you thought well, yeah. that makes it look like, like she's in favor of all this unrest in Portland, things like that. Well, and she didn't explain herself. And it was a there's some divisiveness on the other side that we took advantage of. Well, let's be clear. So there are a lot of Democrats who do not want to defund the police. Mm-hmm. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, and the majority of Democrats, I would say, do not support Antifa. Right. Right. But when you have um, high level figures in your party, you know, right after Cori Bush made her statement about um, defunding the Pentagon, uh, Nicole Galloway was campaigning with her and sent out a, a, an email about campaigning with her. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of tying herself to the candidate who is making these outrageous statements. And of course, we uh, we exploited that. But I think <laughs> I appreciate that's what you we acknowledging do. that. Um, yeah, yeah, of I mean, course. So that, that was kind of a nice gift for you is, is what you're right. saying. You found a way to then just ride that. Right, right. And, and I would say, too, again, you know, with with the police in particular and law enforcement, you know, a lot of um, Republicans have led efforts at police reform, including Tim Scott, who is the senator from South Carolina, mm-hmm. who had a bill for police reform that Nancy Pelosi wouldn't even take up. And we have done some judicial reform here in the legislature. And we can stand by that. Um, and I think, you know, not everyone knows what's going on in Washington, but we can say with confidence that we do believe in police reforms and we'd like to see them happen. And at the same time saying we support law enforcement and we want to make sure they have all the resources they need to protect themselves. We passed Prop P, we believe in body cameras, we believe in body armor, we believe in both things, right? Mm -hmm. We wanna do both. And I think that that is a mainstream thought, whereas defunding the police completely is not a mainstream thought, not even in the African-American community. So I I think that's a, you know, that's been a winning issue for us, honestly, all summer, and it will continue to be. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's also very personal to a lot of people because a lot of us have family members who are in law enforcement. It's interesting. I mean, I I can definitely see your point in that. And I know that, um, you know, there was this call, I believe you're referencing, where Nancy Pelosi was there with um, with Democrats in Congress. And many of them are making the same argument you're making. They're saying that progressives did them no favors by talking about defunding the police and that some of them believe like it it may have cost them their race. Um, But at the same time, you guys did take some criticism. People thought this ad that suggested that Nicole Galloway was too close with Cori Bush and with uh, state representatives like Rasheen Aldridge, that this uh, came across as racist. What do you say to that? Yeah, so there was an ad put out by the PAC, and, and it was highlighted that a couple of the people that she aligned, that if you did the screenshot in just the right way, you could capture primarily African-Americans in this shot. But if you looked at the whole list of organizations, it included... Um, NARAL and some other organizations that I would not say were have any particular racial tone. And I think mm-hmm. the other thing is, is if you've been watching the news since Mike Parson became governor, you have seen him in the city of St. Louis and in Kansas City. You've seen him meeting with leaders, but you've also seen him meeting with faith leaders and going down into the community, walking in neighborhoods where there is high crime and poverty 
He's actually been on the ground. He's been, he visited the city of St. Louis and spent more time with local leaders, according to folks who live there, hmm. more than Nixon did in eight years. So hmm. I, I think that um, he just exhibited that. And, and the other thing, quite honestly, on our side of the fence and for a lot of people in the middle, we, we've been called racist for so long about everything that it's it sort of doesn't ring true for people anymore. They called George Bush a racist, you know, and, and so when they called um, Donald Trump a racist, we're like, we're, we're tired of that. You, you call all of our leaders, they called Mitt Romney a racist. They're mm-hmm. always calling us racist and it's just not true. And so I'm you not feel saying like that, there aren't racists. Yeah, sorry, yeah. go ahead. I'm not saying there aren't racists within the Repub- that identify as Republican. There are races that identify as Republican and Democrat or independent. I mean, we cannot ignore the fact that racism exists. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But to, to, if every single thing you do is turned into some sort of racist or anti, um, anti-special interest group or minority group, it, it sort of gets old and, and it doesn't ring true. It's more, I think the people who already thought you were a racist are going to believe that. But... I I just, I don't know. I don't think it holds m- much water anymore. And, you know, we did have a governor who said Black Lives Matter. Um, and I don't think a lot of people had heard that from uh, a Republican, a white Republican leader mm-hmm. very often. And he said it at the debate. And I think that people said, wow, if he's willing to say that publicly in a debate, then maybe we should listen to what else he has to say. Hmm. You feel like maybe because, as you said, uh, this card has been played against Republicans for so long and so many candidates going back decades that at this point, people aren't even sure they're going to buy it because it's it's just been overplayed. They're willing to give Parson a chance to prove that he's not a racist. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, I get called it all the time, too. I mean, it it just kind of it gets old. And I think it detracts because it gets used so often, it detracts from real racism. I say the same thing about sexism and sexual harassment. Like if everything is, is sexual harassment, then nothing is. Hmm. Right. And so this cancel culture where everything you do or say has to go through this perfect little woke lens. Um, people are kind of tired of it. That's I think that's part of it. But I, I also think like we have great candidates that work hard. And I don't want to take anything away from them. I really don't. I mm-hmm. think that Andrew is a fantastic candidate. He worked hard. I think Ann Wagner does a great job. And she fits the district very well. She works very hard. And so I think a lot of it is just, you know, having great candidates and having a great bench, which will continue to grow as we continue to dominate in the legislature. We uh, we posed this question on Twitter to see if people had thoughts on what you'd done so well. And I think a lot of Democrats are kind of licking their wounds. Uh, not many people wanted to give you guys credit for running a great ground game when it, it came to our listeners, I will say. Um, and some definitely brought up this racial issue. It, it's good to hear you address that directly. One thing, though, that's that somebody wrote, and this is someone named JoJo, and I, I got the sense this was somebody who was a Republican. Um, and they said the simple answer is that white people figured out that the Dems don't really like them all that much. Most of Missouri is white, and so they vote accordingly. Do you think there's maybe that perception among rural white voters that, you know, what you characterized as as some of this woke stuff, that these rural white voters really resent that and they're running to you guys as the alternative? Well, I I think that it could be true, but the majority of votes in Missouri are in suburban metro areas. Forty percent of the Missouri vote is in the St. Louis metro area. Hmm. 
So even if we continue to have high turnout in the rural areas, we have to do well in the suburbs. I know we did not win St. Louis County, but if you look at the suburbs that extend into St. Charles, Jeffco, and even parts of Franklin County, that more than makes up for it. So I, I think it it goes both ways. And I also want to say, like nationally, we we won a lot of seats, and they were won by women and minorities in the Republican Party. Hmm. So our tent is expanding. And we want it to continue to expand because we want to be the party for all people. And we want to get past these these labelings of being anti or, you know, whatever ism that there is. And, and you know, we're one people. We're all Americans. We're all Missourians. Like, let's work together and get past these um, the things that are used to divide us. Jean, one other thing I wanted to ask you about as far as this election cycle goes. I know Democrats really thought that uh, Governor Parsons' handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, that that was a really good issue for them. They they made a case over and over that he was in over his head. He couldn't handle this. And yet I'm hearing from some people who feel like this was actually a good issue for Republicans, that people maybe saw the Democrats as wanting another shutdown and that there's a huge swath of the state that desperately wants to avoid that. How do you think that issue played for Republicans overall? Yeah, I think so. And I also think the fact that Sam Page has been hinting at a shutdown and, and the whole, even though Sam won in this Democratic county. And won pretty, pretty of, strongly. Pretty strongly. But um, having a Democrat in a leadership position keep pushing shutdowns. And in fact, Joe Biden even talked about possibly shutting things down again. Uh, that doesn't resonate. I mean, it, I mean, I talked to people in restaurants and bars who said they've never voted before, but they were going to go out and vote for somebody who wasn't going to shut them down again because they want to earn their living. They don't mm. want to be on the dole, so to speak. So I think like, people don't want shutdowns. And, and I think, you know, you've got to understand people get it. This is a once in a hundred year type of deal. Could Parson have done some things differently? Probably. That's easy to look back and say, we should have done this or should have done that. But overall, I think he did a pretty good job. And the fact that we are rebounding so quickly and our unemployment is so low. And yeah, we do have high numbers here, mm-hmm. but they kind of ebb and flow. So if they were really high that higher than other states, they'd point that out. But then the next week we'd be way lower and nobody wanted to hear about that. And in states where they have a mask mandate right next door in Illinois, they're spiking too. So I don't think, I think people should realize that no one really has an answer, unfortunately, to the pandemic and how to solve it. And that overall, Parson did a pretty good job and, and not as heavy handed as um, maybe some of the other governors like Pritzker or uh, Whitmer up in Michigan. One last thing I want to ask you about. And we've already gone over the time I, I said we'd spend, but I'm, I'm really enjoying getting to pick your brain here. Um, is uh, And now, of course, I've just lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, it was pointed out to me when we were talking to these political analysts the morning after that something that Parson did that was very smart, they thought, is that he didn't try to stop the city and the county from enacting tougher restrictions, that he kind of held right. the middle of the line there. Do you think that was smart, that he might have faced a backlash if he had decided to try to stop what Sam Page was doing. He sort of stood against it, but not to the point of actually taking action, got to have it both ways a little bit. Well, I I think one of the things that Parson did that was smart is he stuck to who he is. And who he is, is a small government, local control kind of guy. And so allowing this local control fits with his narrative and how he prefers to govern. It's really tough to run as something you're not. So if you start campaigning in a way that differs from who you are that you start getting into trouble and i I saw that with some other candidates particularly on the democrat side Hmm. i mean if you're progressive run as a progressive Mm -hmm. don't try to run as a middle of the road person and vice versa you you got to be true to who you are especially if you have voting records so 
Was it smart? Probably, but more so just because it fits his personality and how he governor, governs. And people see that across the state. This is who he is. This is how he governs. Maybe I like only like 90% of it, but actually overall that, that's pretty good. And Parson did pretty well in suburban areas and did very, very well outstate, as you know. Hmm. But he didn't get... Uh, he, he he didn't get hurt by the COVID thing at all, I don't think. It is interesting. Well, Gene Evans, this has been this has been so interesting to talk to you today. And I want to thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing your thoughts on all of these uh, many topics related to Tuesday night's election. Well, thanks for having me. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversation. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.